0: You are listening to Veterinary Mental Health, Turning the Stethoscope Around, Episode 14, presented by Thoughtful Life Counseling. Welcome to the podcast. I am Taylor Miller, a veterinarian and a licensed professional counseling intern. Mental health and work life balance are critical issues for veterinary professionals. While not intended as a substitute for individual counseling, this podcast seeks to address many of the mental health concerns common to members of our profession. Hello and welcome. Today we will be discussing how to set goals in such a way that you maximize your return on your investment of time, preparation, and resources, while also moving you forward as efficiently as possible on your wellness journey. So first, why do we set goals? Typically, goals give us a sense of control. They help us feel like we are able to focus our efforts towards an endpoint that we desire. And in setting goals, we often have that uplifting feeling that change is possible and that we are working towards change. So maybe we haven't reached that endpoint yet, but if we are in progress, there's a sense of relief that comes with the idea that we are not going to stay where we are unfortunately, it is not enough to simply set a goal. Goals that tend to have the shortest lifespans are those that were born on the fly and often in moments of distress. So you reach a point where you're feeling intense shame or anger or guilt, and you make an instant resolution to change what is going on in your life such that you don't have to feel that shame, anger, or guilt anymore. And if we remember back to our segment on willpower, Often, setting a goal or making a resolution gives us a sense of relief. A sense of relief that is more equivalent to having achieved that goal or resolution than simply setting it. So it gives our brain a way of feeling better in the moment when we most need relief, but that's about all it does. And while those moments of distress should indicate to us that something does need to change, a goal made in those moments is not often well thought out. If the emotions behind that goal are more negative and the goal is a way to avoid something negative rather than to proceed to something good, we don't tend to work towards those goals steadily over the long term. The other time that we can make goals that usually end up being short-lived are those goals that are made in moments of peak optimism. So again, remembering back to that willpower segment, we often overestimate the abilities and the commitment of our future selves, as well as the amount of time we have available on days that are set somewhere in the future. So goals that are made with that really optimistic mindset tend to be unachievable. And we get discouraged fairly quickly with goals that are made in that mindset. So you can't set goals when you have overly negative feelings, and you can't set goals when you're feeling overly optimistic. That leaves cold, deliberate calculation. So approaching goals as you would any other paperwork type task. And I know this seems unimaginative and uninspiring, but truly when you are approaching goal setting in this manner, you are more likely to come up with realistic goals. And when a goal is realistic, it becomes achievable. And when a goal is achievable, you get to succeed. And each time you succeed, you are taking another step on your wellness journey. I want to start by mentioning one of the more popular goal setting formats, which is the setting of SMART goals. That acronym is probably familiar to most of you. The SMART stands for Specific, Measurable, Achievable, Relevant, and Time-Bound or Time-Constrained. So goals that have these qualities that are specific, that are measurable, that are achievable, and that's one of the biggest highlights that we'll be focused on, that are relevant and that are time-bound, tend to be the ones that you have the most success at. However, SMART goals may be well-constructed, but they're not always well-considered. There are plenty of goals that we can create for ourselves that are well constructed, but not all of those goals will give us an equal boost in the quality of our lives. And that's what we are going to talk about today. How to make sure that the goals that you choose to develop are goals that will maximally impact your overall well-being. So, how do we get the biggest bang for our buck when we're setting goals? Any goal that we are going to consider requires some combination of time, preparation, and resources. And resources includes money, materials, say for a project, mental and emotional energy, and the possibility of the involvement of other people. So putting these together, we get T for time, P for preparation, and R for resources. So TPR. I'm very proud of this. And it took me quite some time to fit everything into these three letters. So I know it's not perfect, but you'll have to indulge me. Knowing what we have available to us, because these are all finite resources, gives us a range of what goals are even possible to attempt. And I think having this baseline self-assessment will make choosing goals and organizing our goals more effective rather than creating a goal. And then after the goal is created, trying to generate those resources, which I think is one of the reasons that some of our very well-planned goals do fail. So if we start with an evaluation of time, preparation, and resources, we need to think about where those resources are currently being expended. So what currently takes up our time in a given week? What do we spend time in preparation for? So a common example here would be food prep. Some people do spend time preparing food. Some people spend their time in meal planning. They shop once and that's where they're investing that preparation and pre-planning time. And then resources. What do you spend your money on? How do you utilize help that is offered or purchased? Do you hire a cleaning service? Do you hire to have your house painted rather than doing that yourself? How do you respond when a friend or a loved one says, how can I help? So these are resources that we need to consider. And finally, perhaps the most important resource of all, your mental and emotional energy. Another way to think about this is where is your willpower going? Characterizing these three areas might feel intimidating, but despite what feels like significant variety in our lives, we often follow consistent patterns of how we utilize time, preparation, and resources. So trying to get a good idea of where these are currently being spent will give you ideas for how we might reallocate them. And this isn't just a how we might. Any new goal will require reallocation. So keeping that in mind and understanding that will be part of how we formulate new goals is how we reallocate these areas of our life. And then while you're thinking about how you're currently spending these resources, try to think of how often those resources are going towards something that is a deliberate goal versus a habit or an unconscious goal, or maybe an outdated goal. So a conscious goal might be making it to the gym three mornings a week, versus an unconscious goal. Maybe at some point, you decided that having a different home-cooked meal every night was what was necessary for your lifestyle. And you are continuing to create a new home-cooked meal every night, which obviously requires a great deal of time, mental energy, and resources, as well as preparation. So it involves a lot of those finite resources that we're trying to preserve for goals that are highly important to us. And while you do enjoy cooking, and you do enjoy the experience of having something different and home-cooked every night, the resources required to make it happen are out of proportion to the value you derive from it, and you could better spend those resources elsewhere. Reevaluating your life carefully to decide where your energy is going and making sure that it's deliberate can be very important for opening up space for new habits, new goals. Next, let's consider what we've been thinking about for the past two weeks, how to instigate change and what our values truly are. So having just thought about how we currently are spending our precious resources, we can think about how that aligns with our values as we've defined them. More often than not, you're going to find that you're not spending your resources in a way that is consistent with your most deeply held values, or not as frequently as you would like it to be true. We see this discrepancy, but are we ready for change? Are we ready, willing, and able? Are we convinced of the importance? Do we believe we can succeed? And are you ready to prioritize it? Put this all together, and what we want to define is an area to spend effort in that is consistent with our values in which we are ready to change, and for which we feel we can recruit or reallocate the necessary resources. Hopefully there's at least one area of your life that meets all of these criteria, and if so, start by expressing a goal in very broad terms for this category of change. For instance, one broad statement could be to live a more physically healthy life. If you already have something specific and important in mind, you can stop with one goal or two. But if you have some time, I encourage you to review your entire list of values and generate a list of goals that would represent a shift from where you currently are to a more value-driven life. Another approach is to review your wellness roadmap and see areas where you've scored yourself perhaps below where your personal ideal is and generate goals that would allow you again to make that shift into a life that is more replete with well-being. Having a large list does not represent the changes that you need to make immediately. It's more showing you the range of change that is possible, and considering where you are ready, willing, and able to change will help you identify which of those goals is going to be most appropriate for right now. And then for each goal that you are seriously considering making into a current change, consider the following. What current habits of yours perpetuate the status quo? which habits or which routines of yours are preventing a natural shift into this preferred state. And identifying those current habits or current routines will help give you an idea of how you need to change your life in order to reach that goal. And then looking at our willpower segment, try to think of mentally what goes through your head Or what willpower traps have you fallen into that prevent you from naturally shifting into this goal state? Because usually, whenever we have a goal, more often than not, you've attempted to reach that goal previously. Whether those attempts have been half-hearted or not well thought out or impulsive, they haven't worked so far. So what is it that has prevented it from being an easy shift? And once we've nailed down some of those barriers, we are able to more deliberately and thoughtfully come up with a strategy to overcome those. Another area to consider when you are approaching the formation of a new goal is are there any skills that you need to develop in order to reach this goal? Perhaps your goal is to improve your strength, and while most of weightlifting is straightforward, there is still a skill involved with how you lift and how you approach an exercise regimen. So developing the skill might be a barrier, and if so, you can plan that into your approach. Or sometimes a prerequisite is simply a mental state or a physical state, Perhaps you need to be well-rested in order to put the mental energy into planning the expansion of your hospital. So there are some tasks that require enough mental or emotional energy that unless you are well cared for, the task can seem overwhelming. The next thing to consider is who the stakeholders are in the goal. You, obviously, but will pursuit of the goal or achievement of the goal significantly impact anyone else in your circle? Your partner, your children, your coworkers? Sometimes the pursuit of a goal can be a little bit messy. Are there any people who will be negatively impacted or conversely, positively impacted? Taking their involvement or even just their responses or their perception of your attempt to reach this goal can help you pre-plan ways to manage their response or their involvement. And finally, make sure that in setting this goal, you clearly understand how reaching the goal and moving towards the goal will enrich your life. Having that clear idea of where you benefit will help with that motivation and help with the willing portion of the ready, willing, and able to change helps convince you of its importance, and that can get you over some of the willpower humps as well. If you have chosen to work with more than one goal, another area to focus on is whether or not any aspects of your two goals are in conflict with each other. Do they both require the same chunk of time? Does preparation for one impact your ability to follow through with the other one? Does the same person that you rely on to help you with goal number one also need to be involved with goal number two? So making sure that you are not doubling down on your resources. Because as we know, those resources are finite. So I imagine many of you have been listening and perhaps nodding and agreeing with me, but also thinking in the back of your mind, okay, this is all very well and good. However, I am essentially running flat out every single day i have absolutely no wiggle room in my life for any kind of meaningful change and i don't see any room for meaningful change in the near future so what am i supposed to do and this can happen for two primary reasons one you're simply in a state of overwhelm brought on by having small children perhaps or simply being overwhelmed by the number of responsibilities that you that you feel compelled to prioritize the other can be more difficult if you are suffering from a personal loss or crisis, or living with depression or anxiety. The simple act of getting out of bed in the morning or feeding yourself can be challenges. And in these cases, the idea of sitting down and structuring these complex goals and ways that align with your values, etc., it's just too much. And for people in these situations, I want to present a different strategy. I want you to set two to three SAGs every day. Small, achievable goals. SAGs. And when I say small, I mean small. Brush my teeth. Eat lunch. Sometimes those are challenging enough, especially if you're battling depression or anxiety. Getting out of bed can be an uphill battle every day. So setting goals that you can achieve That will give you that boost that can help you start winning can be just as critical and important for this period in your life as setting higher value goals that affect your overall well being for the long term. When life is tough, rough, and you're just trying to survive, set sags two to three sags a day. Commit to them, but make sure they're small enough that commitment is possible. In the category of overwhelm, It can certainly feel in the day-to-day of an overwhelmed life that there is no room for change. It can absolutely feel that way. That's the state of overwhelm is to feel if there's no wiggle room. But I think we often underestimate the impact of small daily changes or establishing trends. And trends in this context are really just a series of tiny goals that are small enough that we don't usually think them out in terms of them being goals. One of the reasons that we don't tend to utilize this strategy as often as we should is as people who have accomplished big things, we are prone to putting all of our energy into our pursuits. And if we are unable to put a significant portion of energy into a pursuit, we often think, I'll save it for later when I can put that amount of energy in. And as we've discussed, our time, our prep time, and our resources, they're finite, And we may never get to a period when those resources are fully available for this pursuit or this goal that we're putting off. So in lieu of waiting for that mythical time, the alternative is to start taking baby steps. And what we forget is that baby steps add up. Babies eventually take enough steps that they're running, jumping, and becoming full adults. So don't dismiss those baby steps. Here are some examples. Say your desire is to overhaul the way you eat. You want to eat in a more nutritious manner. And the whole hog way would be to sit down every Sunday, create a meal plan that only includes healthy food, go shopping to get all those items, and simply stick to your schedule. But what you are likely forgetting is the additional work of preparing novel recipes, finding novel recipes, and perhaps convincing your family to try these recipes with you. If you have the available resources, this is certainly possible. But if you are already in a state of overwhelm, it can feel miles out of reach. But what you can do on a daily basis is do one scoop of sugar in your coffee instead of two every morning. That is a very small change, but it's imminently doable. And it may be so small that it doesn't seem worth doing. But if you make that change, and then over the weeks, you make 10 more little changes on the same scale, by the end of a month or two, you have shifted your entire eating strategy, maybe only by two degrees, but that's two degrees closer than you were a month ago. And if you continue to make these really small changes, over time, you will get there. And you might get there sooner than if you wait for that perfect moment for all the stars to align such that you can do it all at once. So what if I have caught you somewhere between survival and overwhelm and the ability to sit down and make larger scale changes for yourself? You like the idea of making changes that will advance you on this wellness journey? but you haven't had time to sit down and work through your values to decide what is most impactful for you. In these cases, I would recommend picking one of the universal habits that tend to promote well-being. We have touched on all of these before, so they should sound familiar. The first, of course, is sleep hygiene, so quantity, quality, and consistency. Establishing a mindfulness practice, whether a formal meditation habit, or else practicing that active awareness with a non-judgmental bystander attitude to help you recognize what's happening in your life. Cultivating loving kindness, both towards yourself or others, to improve that sense of well-being. Or something as simple as making your bed in the morning to start your day with that sense of accomplishment eating as a family to improve relationships. If food is a big thing that you want to make progress on, journaling what you eat without attempting to change anything. And then if you are interested in taking a more personalized approach, today's handout will guide you through the questions that we've discussed in today's podcast to help you focus on goals that leverage your time, your prep work, and your resources for maximum impact on your personal well-being. Thank you for joining me today, and I am so excited to be on this journey with you. And I do want to mention that all those handouts should be available now. So if you do have any trouble accessing them, please, please let me know, either through my social media or directly through my website. I so appreciate your patience, and hopefully this will be the end of my website shenanigans. So until next time, take care. This has been a mental health moment brought to you by Thoughtful Life Counseling. If you found today's episode helpful, please subscribe to the podcast and consider leaving me a review. You can download the handout mentioned in today's episode by visiting my website at thoughtfullifecounseling.com. To have the handouts delivered by email, please sign up to receive my twice monthly newsletter. If you have topic requests, questions, or comments, please contact me through my website or any one of my social media platforms. Take care of yourself and tune in next week for a look at perfectionism and how it impacts our well-being.